Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And today I'm with Jennifer Fraser, and we're going to be talking about a a really uh, important subject. Uh, I think most people will relate to this subject um at some stage in their lives either having being active in it or active in receiving it so at some stage we're going to be talking about bullying but first let's talk to uh dr jennifer fraser hi jennifer how are you today i'm great i'm feeling really good i'm very pleased to be talking with you and i promise not to be bullying you during the course of this (laughs) session Uh, (laughs) so tell me a little I'm a pro, so I'm not the best person to bully. That's for sure. <laughs> Good. Yes, I think many of us who are in our world are, have quite have learned to uh, deal with that sort of um, behaviour, haven't we? Along with gaslighting and narcissism and all the rest of it. There's a so, lot of it out there. There is, isn't there? Thank goodness. Otherwise, what would we do for um, a living? <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about, about yourself and what it is that you do. Well, my latest book just came out and it's called The Bullied Brain. And the really exciting part of the book is the subtitle. And the subtitle is called Heal Your Scars and Restore Your Health. Because over the, a long course of time, I've been working at, um, in my other books as well, I find that even at an early age, I was tackling the notion of we're raised in a certain culture, we're raised in a, a very intensely trained belief system. And it's very hard to separate your mind out from that. You know, you, your brain essentially on an anatomical level, it can be seen on brain scans. It gets sculpted by your experience. So if we're all raised in a certain culture, we all come to believe that it's reality when in actual fact, it's not. So my first book that I wrote was about, um, it was actually my dissertation and I used literature and I was looking at how does a person go from being a reader of culture, someone who grows up steeped in a belief system, it could be a religion, it could be, uh, it could be racism, it could be financial, whatever, you grow up in this belief system, it scripts your brain when you're a child, making it difficult to see alternatives. So how do you switch from being that, a reader of culture, somebody who consumes culture to someone who writes culture, someone who actually does something different, thinks differently and, and expresses that to others. That was, that's kind of the beginning. And it's led all the way. Yes, jump in. 
So are you talking about culture in the sense of uh, socially prescribed behaviours in which we all adopt, as opposed to taking control of your, your life and adopting a set of behaviours congruent for yourself? Yeah, that would be that would be one way of thinking about it. But even more like good, even even emotions, for example, like if you look at neuroscience, you learn that emotions aren't just something innate or inherent within your being. You know, you and I, we, we both suffer a loss and we feel grief and it's the same emotion. The neuroscientists now talk about how our emotions are actually constructs that are that are built based on our past experience. Mm. So you look at a loss that's pending and you might feel um, overwhelmed by grief because that's, that's your past scripting. I, on the other hand, and I know this is an interest of yours, I've, I've suffered so many losses that I've built a kind of resilience to it. And I know it's not gonna destroy me. And I, I pull forth another emotional concept in reaction. Now that would be what you're just describing, Russell, is this idea of I am really thinking myself very consciously very purposefully about how I'm going to act and behave and also how I'm feeling. I'm not just going to feel what I was told I needed to feel growing up as a child. I'm an adult now and I'm going to make some choices around the emotion concept I draw on depending on what I'm faced with. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, isn't it? And I mean, this is the nature of being an adult, isn't it? And I think people in today's world, a lot of mental health practitioners treat 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 our clients as children, don't we? We, uh, we find it at work as well. We see leaders and managers treating their teams as children. And then, um, and then you, you often find those people going home and treating their children, children like little adults using TA language for a second. It's very odd, isn't it? How we, we seem to have got this, we seem to have lost this idea of adulthood. Well, you know, I, I guess I've got no idea why, and I might be on the wrong track here, just interested in your view. Um, I find that particularly interesting in the bullying and abuse sphere. And I think that what happens is, and this is, this is what I've seen in my work. It's what I see in the law. So for example, I was interviewed yesterday on a Canadian news station because there's been a a really horrendous bullying incident amongst children. So these teenagers, um, they, there was a big group of them. They, they had a target, they physically beat her. So it was horrendous. And they also shamed her. They made her kiss their shoes. Well, they were saying to me on Global News that the police are are wanting to press charges against these teenagers. And honestly, it's amazing to me because you have to fight the most incredible legal battle of your life to get an adult charge for abusive behaviors. Whereas we, we want to suddenly press charges against teenagers, sorry, those are children. Children are, they've been on the planet for 15 years. Their brains are programmed in adolescence all the way up to age 25 to be risk takers, reward seekers. They don't have a mature prefrontal cortex. They don't have a good decision-making mechanism. They certainly don't think about consequences where these young people never would have posted this, this hideous video on social media, all they did was shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, that's not a mature brain. That brain is not thinking. It doesn't have rational adult-like qualities. And that is documented in science. And yet we still have the law. We still have police and first responders. They're all well-meaning, but they suddenly want to charge these kids. Whereas adults, adults are treated with 
kid gloves, when they're highly abusive, they go on abusing for 30 years. Everyone tries to cover up for them and protect them and act like they're babies, let alone children. You, it's so hard to hit them with the law. They have to have they have to have done like Larry Nassar, Harvey Weinstein type behaviors for 30 years before anyone will stop them. So <laughs> it, it's a reverse, just as you said. Yeah. And part of it, uh, part of it is because of the language. Uh, and, and I watch over the years because I, much older than you. I watch the fact that words like stress have been devalued, so they're meaningless now. Mental health is the same thing at the moment. We don't differentiate between dysfunction, illness, mental health. It's all just one thing. If you have a low mood, somehow you've got a mental health problem. Depression's the same. Bullying's the same. Bullying has lost somehow its uh, his significance so that anybody talking to anyone in a nasty tone of voice is bullying. We're actually, what that does is actually detracts from the, the real situation of bullying. And, and now we've got a whole new terminology of gaslighting and catfishing and God knows what else. Um, I'm not up to date with all that. And I think it's part of the problem, isn't it? That, you know, we've lost the ability to, to really define, I know you're a doctor as I am, so, but to define what we mean by these terms, because actually just being sort of rude to somebody else is not bullying. You know, saying something on Facebook is not necessarily bullying, but actually punching people, making them kiss your shoes over a sustained period is, you know, one is a bullying event, but true bullying is something that takes place over time. So your point about the adult world, and just, and I say in abusive relationships between men and women, it's horrendous, but we don't call it bullying anymore because that seems to trivialize it in a way. So it, I don't know where we go with this in a way. Well, first of all, I mean, in my work, um, I don't talk about bullying uh, amongst children. That, to my mind, trying to solve the epidemic, it's literally epidemic proportions now in our youth populations. Yeah. Instead of talking about that, though, I talk about adults who bully and abuse children, specifically. I think yeah. that's the biggest power imbalance on the planet, yeah. and it's the most taboo subject. We don't like to talk about parents or teachers or coaches or doctors or anyone else who bullies children. It's just not to be talked about. And um, it's that's kind of what I was talking about, a frameworks or paradigms or belief systems where we're highly trained to behave in certain ways, and we are not meant to disobey or think outside the box about these things. We are meant to stick to the plan. And the plan is we tell children at a very early age, we train and sculpt their brains to believe that adults, regardless of their behavior, are yes. to be respected. Yeah. That is a fatal flaw right at the beginning. Yeah. And so when we're using this word bullying, I think it's part of this whitewashing, just as you're talking about, because we don't want to deal with the situation. It makes us incredibly uncomfortable. It brings up a lot of anxiety. It brings up a lot of vulnerability. Um, you know, to be an adult, going back to this notion, a lot of people believe that to become an adult means to align yourself with power. So we, we look at the most powerful people in our world right now today, and they behave like children. They behave, they speak to one another, they are in leadership positions of like the power of life and death over whole nations, and they are narcissistic babies. It's an embarrassment to listen to some of them. Yeah. And that has to be eradicated. The fact that the public sits back and clap, claps hands for these kinds of individuals is shocking to me. And it shows that overall, in a very large cultural way, we've lost some of our training around things like critical thinking, things like empathy, we need to understand that if we want to get something done, like eradicate bullying, 
we've got to start working together in a really thoughtful, purposeful, mindful, insightful, educated, research, evidence-based way. And, and you should not be in a leadership position if you can't do that. I'm looking for a reference as we're chatting as someone who, three of us just sit down one day, two of us, we just be agreeing with each other uh, uh, the whole time. I can't, I can't put it off my head quickly enough. But what you're actually saying, and I may be wrong in this, but you're actually saying that adult, uh, bullying is an adult state. Now, it is interesting how we venerate bullies. And that's, that's because we have a nation of people without resilience who uh, venerate and want to be victims, perhaps. Oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't formulated it that way myself. That's really interesting. One of the things that, so as I was writing the book, The Bullied Brain, I was trying to unpack these mechanisms and trying to figure out how it works. And the way I figure things out is first of all, doing research. And then second of all, writing. When I start to write things down and articulate and try and put it into story form, and I know this is something you use as a technique too, I find that it helps me understand myself. And what I came to realize, which was really interesting, is that I think what happens is when we become childlike in our behavior, so we become an adult, but we still keep acting like a child, it's because we, we haven't, we don't know what to do with our brains. So we're a society that ignores our brains yeah. and we can't see our brain, so we act like it's not there. So for example, this is the, the classic way to make people understand this very quickly. Um, we used to think that a concussion was a moral you know, testing ground. If you suffered a concussion and you got back up and went back onto the rugby field or the football field, then you were showing you had resilience and you were showing your teammates that they came first and that you would do anything for your coach and for, your, for the win. And this was seen as a sign of great character, yeah. very moral. But in actual fact, a person with a concussion, we now know, has a, a brain trauma. Yeah. And it's very, very serious. And you can go back out on the field and die because you've got a brain trauma. It's way more serious than twisting your ACL or breaking your arm yeah. or any of those things that are visible to us. But we are a visible visual species. We like to see things. So we can't see our brains. So we don't think about them. We don't, we don't actually talk about them. We don't teach children about them. We don't teach teachers that really they're working with the center of learning in a person's skull and they should know a lot about it. We, we don't teach organizations that when they get young people coming to work for them, they're not mature. They, they have incredibly creative fast learning brains, but they don't have mature brains, not till 25. So you have to work with them differently if you wanna be successful. And so this is the issue that I came to. I realized that we, we have two choices because we don't pay attention to our brains. We can remain the victim and turn negative, negative bullying type, abusive type behaviors. If they've happened to us, we turn them against ourselves and we develop a mind bully. So we don't believe in ourselves. We never fulfill our potential. We suffer from substance abuse. You know, secretly we go home and smoke or drink or do whatever we do. We put on a facade when we go out into the work world. So we become this kind of perpetual victim and we don't know how to get better. And it's pretty awful. And I'm speaking from experience. Then the other, the other group that has suffered bullying and abuse through childhood and in their formative years in a really destructive way, they'll go out and align with the bully. They will become the next bully 
they are just as traumatized as the victim, but they've aligned with power. They've identified with the aggressor. So we end up with this kind of split dynamic happening and we don't even know how to have a, a conversation about it. So what I learned in the book is this is a really widespread pattern. But then of course the inspiring, exciting part is as soon as we start working with our brains, we can actually change all that. Our brains are highly adept at healing. Now, you made me think of something. So steady on. <laughs> I remember years ago having a big old fight about um, assertiveness and how assertiveness is a relevant term because it has relevancy between the idea of passiveness and aggressiveness. And actually, if someone was passive, anyone who was slightly less passive was seen to be aggressive because that sort of thing. And I wonder, without an absolute measure, maybe this is the problem here because we've got people who are in victim state and bully state. And from what you're saying is the world, because what you're not implying, I don't think, is the world is categorized into those two halves. You've actually got people who almost sit within a, within a um, standard deviation bell curve right in the middle. And it's just who they're dealing with that makes, because not victims aren't bullied by everybody. They're, they're bullied by people who they want to be bullied by. See, I, my belief is, and maybe this is different to yours, that victims seek bullies. It's not the other way around. Well, if you think about it from a neuroscience point of view, that makes a lot of sense because let's go back to emotion concepts. If I've been abused in my life, and I go out into the world, when I meet people, I'm looking for the emotion concept that helps me navigate my world and creates a sense of reality for me. So when I go through my file folder in my head, I find, oh, abuser. Okay, I know how that works. I'm, I'm comfortable navigating that world. I know the feelings. This is known, this is real life. This is yeah. my reality. I'm gonna act this out again. This is a drama I know really well. I'm not gonna choose an emotion concept that I don't have in my file folder like respect. Oh, I don't have that. So I, I can't even find it. So when I can't find it in my emotion concept, I can't predict it in my next relationship. So if I wanna get better, I have to do the hard work of changing my brain using my neuroplasticity in order to very purposefully create an emotion concept for a respectful relationship with someone at work. And you're talking about adult relationships again there. And, and, and you're right, because actually no one teaches, no one teaches the concept of respect. I mean, there's very few people that actually send you on, on self-respect or respecting others' courses. They actually talk about how you deal with difficult people. What they don't do is say how you learn to respect yourself so you can respect other people. And we, we actually make respect impossible we turn it from not being a skill into some sort of a character trait. But I think what you're implying, and I may be wrong here, but you seem to be implying that respect is a learned adult skill, which actually is the way you defeat your childhood self. That is exactly what I'm saying. And I'm saying also that people and our school system even, and the workplace, they believe that if you teach a skill like soccer or technical skills, or mathematics to become an engineer, or they'll teach leadership skills. This is how you manage people. You, you might even infantilize people. This is how you do it. This is how you have power. You know, this is what you do when something goes wrong. We can, the human brain is remarkably skilled at learning everything we want it to learn. So if you put in the time, you can take somebody who's highly abusive and you can rewire, reprogram their brain refire it up by repeat practice. It's super hard work. I'm not suggesting this is an easy fix, especially with an adult, but you can change that brain so that on a brain scan, 
if let's pretend I'm bullying you on this podcast on, on a brain scan, after I've been reprogrammed for six weeks, you can see changes in my brain that show that I'm not going to default to bullying behaviors on the next podcast I do, because I've been steeped and trained and reprogrammed and rewired to actually pause, take a deep breath and choose a different path. And the different path I choose is respect. That is a trainable skill like empathy, like compassion, like diplomacy, like assertiveness, you name it. We can train all of those skills in the brain. So, so, so basically you're talking about social pain as being bullying. You're talking about that bit of the brain that lights up when, um, you know, using David Rock and Matt Lieberman's ideas of scarf, you, you, you have this idea of social uh, status loss or fairness loss or such like. In a way you're using that you're not using it directly, but that's the way I'm correlating those two sides together. So you're saying bullying is a form of social pain using those things. So you experience the full emotional and physical physical thing in the brain when bullying takes place. But and perhaps part of the problem here is that bullying is ill-defined. And what you've just done is you've produced a skill set just you know off the top of your head. I'm sure it wasn't just off the top of your head, but you've you've done the counter to it, haven't you? You're saying that these skills are the way to train yourself to stop yourself being having the capacity to be bullied because we don't train the bullies not to bully because that you know they can't do that in a way can they they need other bullies to bully them to for them to learn their own self sense of self perhaps well that may be garbage by the way so feel free just to shoot that down in flames no 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 that's it's it's really it's not it's exactly what i'm saying and i'm I mean, in my book, I talk a lot about bullies and how their brains are damaged. So we have this mistaken notion, you know, the bully thinks he or she thinks that they're hurting someone else and they are, they're hurting someone else's brain. And in actual fact, the kinds of emotional pain that they cause is very, very damaging to the brain. Um, So, you know, in our laws, again, our mistaken understanding, we think that you know, if you punched me in the face, the law would take that very seriously and it would say that you really badly hurt me. But my face would heal in about, let's give it three weeks. And I'd get lots of medical attention because everyone could see the bruise. Everyone would feel sorry for me. People would bring me dinners and flowers and medical experts would be brought in. Now, if you verbally assaulted me and said I was stupid and you'd never have me back on your podcast and I'm the stuff I'm talking about is irrelevant and, um, you're, you're embarrassed to even be talking to me, you would be doing the most unbelievable damage to my brain, but no one can see it. No medical expert will be called. I won't get any compassionate response. I'm going to look exactly the same and we are a visual species. So, so well, let's, uh, let me leap in there. It's yeah. not me doing the damage to your brain. It's you doing the damage to, to the brain as a result of my stimulus. Uh, half and half because I mean, what's really interesting is when you're doing that, you're damaging your own brain. Exactly. exactly. You're hurting your own brain. Every yeah. single bully out there, every bystander, everyone that witnesses, you're, you're pumping up toxic stress in your brain by, by passively watching someone being hurt. It goes against everything our brains are wired to do, namely have empathy. Yeah. So I'm, if I don't stop you, if I don't say to you, Russell, stop speaking to me that way, I'm leaving then I am allowing you to hurt my brain. I'm, I'm not hurting my own brain, but I am allowing a situation. Exactly. Just like if I, if I let you punch me in the face and I didn't exactly. die or put my fists up, 
I'd yeah. be allowing you to hurt me, which yes. is a double whammy of yeah. And of course, so, the and the and the weirdness of where it really gets interesting in cognitive psychology, of course, is that you're getting a payoff from the pain. So that's interesting. So we're getting dopamine responses from being bullied, perhaps. Well, I mean, what's fascinating about that is so if we look at an abuse, a domestic abuse situation, it's really where the brain is just going haywire. It's responding in normal ways to a very abnormal situation and it's yeah. very perplexed. So when the brain can't understand a situation, like, so, and I write about this in my book. So what's really hard for the brain is to go, the person that says they love me is the person that also hurts me. Yeah, the brain right. just, the brain starts to go like this. Yeah. And Dr. Michael Merznick, who is, uh, he's a, one of the world's most famous neuroscientists, uh, and most highly internationally awarded, who's a, still living today, he um, read my book and he, he went through every single word of it and said some of the most amazing things. So I just included his voice all through the book because he's such an incredible genius. And he said, I said to him, you know, I just don't understand this, Michael. Is it accurate to say that a suicidal brain is, is a brain that, as he puts it, can't answer the question? So if I present, if I say to a domestic abuse survivor, if I go, does he love you or does he hate you? And the person can't answer the question. That's when the brain starts to degrade very rapidly. Yeah, but, this can lead to suicidal conditions. But, but that's, that, that. Jennifer, I'm gonna ask you a big favor here. Can we do a part two of this podcast sometime? Because actually I don't think we scraped the surface of this subject. And I think it's so fascinating. Would you be up for that? Absolutely. Brilliant. I, okay. I honestly can't talk about this stuff enough. And it's a relief for me to talk to someone like you because lots of people don't get it. And it's yeah. so confusing because they're not trained to think this way. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, let's point people to the book. Then they can have a look at it. I've just bought a copy. So I, next time we talk, I'll be able to talk from the basis of having read it, um, which, which all my colleagues will think is fun, uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, it's called The Bully Brain. It's on Amazon, so I see. Um, and, and how else can people get hold of you? Um, well, they can reach me on my website. So my website is bulliedbrain.com. And um, I, I do a lot of, um, lots of interviews and podcasts. And I really, I can't talk about this enough. So I'm more than happy to talk to people if they would like to, to have a further conversation on this. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, my Twitter handle is at Teaching Bullies, which is the name of my book um, that came out before. And I just, I constantly am working on this. Brilliant. Uh, well, I've bought it. Next time we talk, we'll talk about it. And uh, we'll delve into this in a bit more. I think it's, it's such a relevant idea. I've not seen, I've not really thought about bullying as sort of this pulling together point from some of the other things I talk about. So um, fascinating so um thank you so much for spending time with us today i need to be respectful of your time now and let you go um but hopefully we'll have a part two from from this very soon thank you so much it was great to chat with you you take care hi everybody i hope you found that episode useful and interesting feedback is always welcomed and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on itunes or stitcher that would be amazing 
If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.